Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Contemplating Christian, and today we are here to talk about another of C.S. Lewis's essays and, and talks. It's from the collection The Weight of Glory, and today's is The Inner Ring, and this is going to be specifically about like cliques and inner circles and social hierarchies and how all of that works and the reality, reality of it today. Um, and for this talk, he's giving it to college students in his time. Uh, and, and one thing to note is he's observing a change in his, uh, in his experience at Oxford. Because when he went there, he said he was able to uh, have close, small groups of friends and have true friendship and um, do all sorts of things with them. But then things changed and we just got small groups of like cliques or collectives that just all have the same idea and act the same. And there's a uniformity and there's not true friendship there. Uh, and so that's the context of the inner ring. But the big idea that we're going to hit at is how people always want to be in these cliques or inner circles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what are your first thoughts on this, Will? Yes. When you talked about uh, C.S. Lewis's experience of friendship versus just and even in his day, and I think it's even more so now, sort of the modern uh, problem of uh, a lack of friendship and how Lewis had this ability to uh, have these really deep friendships. He could go uh, talk at a pub for hours and hours with his friends when he was in college, and he's noticing this theme now in his uh, the people he's talking to. And they are basically just made up of these superficial cliques that aren't able to make close friendships. Uh, and I think that that is, of all the things from a, a medieval world to the modern world, uh, our sense of friendship has gone significantly down. I don't think mm -hmm. uh, moderns have a grasp on friendship in the way that ancient people did. And so yeah. there's lots of people that can talk about that, like Anselm or even going back to the Greeks, Aristotle and people like that have a strong doctrine of friendship. And mm -hmm. I think the modern world has lost that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. We, we need to find that again. Uh, but the, let's, let's dive into this idea of social hierarchies first. So, mm -hmm. uh, in, in the talk, there's an excerpt from war and peace where there's basically a general talking to a prince. And then I think it's a captain walks up but the prince stops talking to the general and starts talking to the captain like um, like he was never there. And so there's this weird thing in humanity where no matter what rank you are, if there's someone in the inner circle, they're going to get priority over you. And there's going to be someone like the general that has this sense of being left out or like, hey, why don't you just stop talking to me or why'd you stop listening to me? Right. Mm -hmm. And the attention of the person you were talking to goes to someone else. And so there's this social hierarchy and there's multiple at work pretty much all the time because, uh, like I said, there was a general and a captain. That's a hierarchy right there. Um, but then there's the social hierarchy of the prince and the captain were friends. Uh, right. And certain ones take priority over others. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, like basically everything within us as human beings, there is a good thing at the center, but it's been twisted by sin. And so similar to our, this experience of 
let's say this higher up person walks into the room and you naturally have a uh, an affinity towards them or a respect towards them and your conversation gears towards them. I think that that's, there's a good thing at the center of that, which is um, a respect for authority and a recognition of hierarchy. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the natural, like in the garden, God is king and we would naturally respect him and there'd be a natural hierarchy there that's good and proper. But mm-hmm. because of sin, we twist that and it becomes something that excludes others now and it becomes something that uh, we desire in an unhealthy way. Yeah. Yeah. And um, with this inner ring, we have the desire to be in and to not be left out. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And actually, this is a thought I just had with the garden. Let's stay on that theme. Right. So one thing is, so the serpent tempted Eve and we could say uh, he tempted her in the way of her not being in, right? Because there, there is like God who has this knowledge and has this power. And what does he do? He says, uh, he says, Eve, yeah, he just doesn't want you to be like him. He doesn't want you to be what we could say in, right? Yeah. And she, she's like, wait, no, I, I want to, I want to be in. I want to do that. Um, yeah. And that's what starts it all. And then uh, same with uh, same with Adam. So there is that idea of being left out, FOMO, fear of missing right. out. Yeah, and really at the core of it is a discontentment and a failure to trust God that he has yeah. uh, your best plan for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this That's a good point. actually, rem- yeah, this reminds me of <clears throat> the sin of curiosity. So a lot of people think curiosity is a good thing, um, but if you read... Uh, some ethics books specifically on uh, the intellectual virtues. One of the sins or the vices is actually curiosity because um, it's unlike studiousness. So studiousness is you want to learn things, which is good, uh, but it's controlled. And so you are, you're disciplined and you study certain things. Curiosity is I want to know everything that comes into my head just to know it. And I'm going to do anything to know it. I'm going to try and satisfy that curiosity. And so um, what happens with that is you aren't actually intellectually satisfied with that. So if you want to know the answer to a question and you just Google it and you do that with every single question, you aren't going to be intellectually satisfied. What you want to do is be studious as in study something for the sake of studying it. And then you will actually get into good and true knowledge that will satisfy your mind. And so it's not uncontrolled. And so the same same thing with the the inner ring. If we um, if we let that just want to be in control us, we're going to do all types of stuff, and we're not going to be satisfied. But then, uh, if we beat that, we're actually going to have friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally agree. Um, so moving forward a little bit, yeah, uh, we have uh, then just kind of a deeper discussion on what these inner rings kind of consist of, mm-hmm. and what a um, it reminds me a lot of like my experience in high school, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it is, uh, my high school conspiracy, my high school experience consisted of, uh, me a lot of the times being on the outside of an inner ring and wanting desperately to be inside and trying anything I could to be in, in a curious 
sinful sort of way to be in a, a part of the inner ring. And so that that's what leads to uh, you bullying people that you were previously friends with because you yeah. want to be higher on the scale of social hierarchy or whatever. And it leads to all sorts of sin. And yeah. most of all, this just prideful desire to be recognized or liked or whatever. And I mean, this is like so spot on to a experience of a high school or a college kid, I feel like. And people that don't grow out of that still, you don't just like, if you don't tame those passions and those evil desires when you're in high school and college, you grow up to be exactly like that. You're the guy at work that is doing the exact same sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, uh, similar. Well, there, there are some aspects there that are similar to my experience. So there's that idea of you can start bullying people that used to be your friends. So there's this idea of betrayal yeah. to get into these inner rings. And I, I remember when I, when I was younger, I had a, <clears throat> I had a really good friend and there was one at one point in our lives where he like stopped hanging out with um, the people that were like his true friends. And like started going to the like the cool group, the inner circle. And, you know, it lasted for a little bit and it did hurt. Right. But then he he did eventually come back and um, there was true friendship right there still. So there there was forgiveness. But uh, all I know is that when he uh, when he went to that like cool group. Right. It wasn't truly satisfying. There was a reason. He came back. Right. Um, yeah, he says, Lewis says in his essay, uh, I believe that in all men's lives at certain periods and in many men's lives at all periods between infancy and extreme old age, one of the most dominant elements is the desire to be inside the local ring and the terror of being left outside. And I think of uh, this is the situation of the character Mark, the main character in that hideous strength. Hmm. where he has this in the beginning of the book, he has the strong desire to be in. He wants to be inside his inner circle within his career and his field. And so he's trying to get in there and it is this kind of vain pursuit. And I think hmm. that that's, uh, so what Lewis is hitting on here is something he hits on in other literature that he has. Yeah. And it's one of, one of the big ideas is what, we do to get in right mm -hmm. the things we do to get in so um <clears throat> there's this idea of being an outsider and you have two options you can be okay with being an outsider or you could stop trying to be an outsider and try to be in right so those are really your two options and so when you try to be in a couple things happen first if you actually do get in there has to be some type of initiation so you have to usually do something to get in. Mm -hmm. um, so the example Lewis gives is all chaste people are outsiders to the promiscuous or uh, he says promiscuity is fashion. So all chaste people are thus outsiders. And if you want to be in, you have to stop being chaste. You have to start being promiscuous. You have yeah. to start being uh, licentious. And so we, we start doing things and becoming uh, scoundrels or bad people or, um, you know, we could do something good to get in an inner circle. Um, I mean, it's not, 
it's not incoherent that we would do something good to get into an inner circle, but a lot of times it's bad things we do to get yeah. in and be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, he goes, um, he goes on, he goes on to describe a, a good inner ring. So he's hmm. talking about how there are good and bad inner rings. And one of them comes about by force and one of them comes about naturally. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what you're hitting on. Yeah. And we, so there's, there is the idea of peer pressure, this big thing. And I think that's something today that kids struggle with specifically, whoops, drop something, um, that kids struggle with specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, so like I see it all the time. So I'm a, I'm a middle school teacher, seventh and eighth grade. There are certain kids that are completely fine. Um, not being part of the cool group, but then there are other kids that aren't. And so when that happens, um, obviously the uh, cooler, more, so more sociable kids know that they're trying to get in and they start like trying to get those kids to do something right to, to get in or they, we could think of it as a manipulation. And so <clears throat> today we see that all the time. And it's a, I think it's a, a horrible thing that is stopping people from actually experiencing friendship. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what I would say. Diagnostic is peer pressure and lack of friendship is an illness in kids today. Right. And a lot of it stems from these, this fear of being an outsider. And so I want to talk a little bit more about that. What is the, uh, how we need to, Lewis talks about how we need to conquer the fear of being an outsider. Uh, mm -hmm. how do we go about doing that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so first being in, he first says is a symbol of all vices as in we do a lot of bad things to try and get in. Uh, now how do we conquer the fear of being an outsider? Um, well, we have to, we have to be okay with being an outsider. We have to give up the quest for being in because he says, it'll break you, right? Um, it'll break who you are. It'll change who you are uh, mm -hmm. if you try to be in too much. And plus, it's a pleasure that won't last. So when we finally get in, we have to realize that it's not going to last. Once we get in, it's kind of the, this, this reaction of, wow, no, I'm in. Okay, now what? What's next? Is, that, is this it? Is this what yeah. being in is? Um, so we have to get over that fact right there that uh, it won't actually satisfy us. It's not actually the right way to go. Um, and I'll yeah. say that's the, that's the first step right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's the same with all sin, really. Uh, there's a, I think scripture talks about sin being deceptive and deceitful. And I think that this is the main way in which sin is, deceptive and deceitful is that it promises something that it doesn't actually deliver on. Mm -hmm. And we get fooled on this all the time. We uh, believe that we'll be satisfied by X, Y, Z vice. And then when we give into that, we don't actually find it to be satisfying. And so the same with this desire to be in the inner ring, um, we never actually achieve what we're looking for. Uh, once mm -hmm. we are in the inner ring, we are still left dissatisfied still left empty and this is the deceitfulness of sin yeah and actually going 
going back a little bit, you said there's a good and a bad inner ring. Um, so one thing to also battle this and to, to realize is people sometimes exclude others just for fun, right? Mm -hmm. So the bad inner rings just exclude people to exclude them and enjoy that and laugh and humiliate, right? But when you're an outsider, you can have what's a called a true inner ring, a good inner ring. Um, and you wouldn't exclude people just to exclude people. So that, that's Mm -hmm. something to be, uh, conscious, uh, conscious of right when you're when you're interacting with these different circles right think about like a uh, like a really wholesome chess club or something like that where a couple of friends get together who really like to play chess and they just naturally start gathering together to do that but all of a sudden they have a fairly exclusive group they're not trying mm. to do that they're not like trying to be exclusion exclusionary or whatever um they just happen to be because there's only a set number of people that like chess uh, and so that's it. If somebody wanted to play chess, they could come into that group, but it's naturally exclusive. It's not something that is intentionally exclusive. Yeah. So we shouldn't manipulate or exclude just for fun. That's, mm-hmm. that's one thing. And then another way to battle this idea of an inner ring or clicks or the inner circle is doing the work for the sake of the work or doing something for the sake of what it is. So um, so you'd have to ask what your motivation is. What's the desire behind it all? Do you want to be in? Okay. Ask yourself, why do you want to be in? Do you want to be in just to feel cool or something? Or, um, do you want to be in an inner circle just because you like doing that thing? So for example, chess, do you want to be in the chess club because you like playing chess and you just want to do that? Or do you want to be in the chess club because it's on the rise and a lot of people are getting into it and it's now becoming the cool thing to do or something like that. Right. Yeah. So if we're going to ask ourselves, have we ever fallen prey to this? C.S. Lewis kind of asked a question of us. He says, in the whole of your life, as you now remember it, has the desire to be on the right side of that invisible line, that invisible line being the in-group and the out-group, the inner ring, has the desire to be on the right side of that invisible line ever prompted you to in any act or word on which in the cold, small hours of a wakeful night, you can look back with satisfaction. If so, your case is more fortunate than most. Basically he's asking us to check ourselves. Have we ever fallen prey to this by asking this question? And Mm -hmm. I think back and can think of countless times throughout my life where I've uh, had this desire to be in the inner ring and it has caused me much harm. Yeah, that's a good yeah. test for ourselves. Yeah, ask yourself, like, can you actually look back with satisfaction on those moments, right? Yeah. Um, does it bring you any guilt? Does it bring you any shame or regret or something like that? If if you don't have shame or regret or guilt or anything like that, you probably did things right. Either that right. or like you're just like completely callous to. Um, right. Like manipulating and excluding others for fun or something like that. And right. W- which we would say is not, not healthy. Right. And even think what, what places in my life right now am I performing the same thing? Mm-hmm. Think of yeah. if there's something you just weren't invited to or something like that recently, how is it affecting you? Are you content by not being a part of everything? That sort of stuff. That's I think a fairly common thing today. Yeah. And so, 
then we actually get into the idea of true friendship. So we, we, we've mentioned it a couple of times, but we haven't actually dove into what true friendship is because that's one of the big themes in this talk. So it's actually consorting with people you like. So for, for example, the chess club, uh, spending time with other people who like chess just for the sake of playing chess. Though that's, that's going to develop a true friendship, which is going to have some sort of exclusivity. Now, um, C.S. Lewis notes that no, no inner ringer can ever have true friendship, right? Because everyone is in just to be cool or um, do what's fashionable or something like that. And that's not, that's not an area that true friendship can uh, take root in. So only outsiders can have true friendship. All right. So the moment you stop caring about being in, and spending time with people you like um, just because you like them and no matter what anyone else thinks, that's when you're going to experience the true friendship. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this, this idea of the virtue of friendship, especially with uh, going back to Aristotle. There's, there's multiple levels. So one of them is like a transactional level. There's people we just have transactions with um, and it's very surface level. So, That'd be at like your work or something. You you have a transactional friendship with a lot of people at work. But mm-hmm. then true friendship is people pointing out, um, people being able to point out your faults and help you grow. So um, I've actually heard Jordan Peterson say this. You should want someone that isn't on the side of who you are, but who who is on the side of who you can become. So your true friends will one, uh, have some type of common interest and you will, you will be outsiders together, but then also they will be able to tell you the truth face to face. They'll be able to, um, call you out when you need called out. Mm -hmm. And that's the beginning and state of true friendship right there. Right. Yeah. And I, the kind of the biggest point I got from this essay is relating this to, uh, salvation because it's actually quite similar to the process of how salvation works in Christian theology. You have both a friendship, which is at the, the source of this discussion of an inner ring is friendships and relationships. Similarly, salvation is at the core, a relationship. It's a relational renewal. And both of these things happen by grace. Both of these things happen by, not by force and by you working for it. It is something that happens to you. So good friendships naturally sort of form. They they come they come upon you. You're not actually doing anything and forcing anything to happen. You're not really working for it. It's just something that happens to you. It, it happens naturally from outside. Similarly, our salvation comes to us from God. It's by grace alone. He does it in us and it happens naturally. He restores that relationship and renews it by grace. And so I think friendships are kind of a similar thing. Friendships kind of come upon us by grace. Mm -hmm. And it's this earthly good we enjoy in this life. And it kind of mirrors our uh, eternal relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there is a lack of friendship there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So people don't experience this naturally happening thing, this thing that you, you don't have, have to force. A lot of people are actually trying to force it. And what comes to my head is specifically social media. So Mm -hmm. first thing, people just lie about who they are 
on social media. They create a whole new persona, which by default already, it, it, it makes it impossible for them to um, be, be outsiders right there because they aren't breaking that quest to be in. They're constantly trying to be in, be fashionable, be cool. So they're going to have one, a loss of identity, but also they, they're going to have a, a lack of friendship. And so that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I noticed with, with social media. It's always about the trend. It's always about doing what's cool or what's currently the thing to do. And if you don't do it, yeah. man, you're lame, right? I can't right. be friends with you. But that, that makes it transactional right there. I'm just doing this to get in, right? Um, you don't actually know who I am. So human beings have the need of knowing someone truly and being known truly. But if you're lying on social media about who you actually are and creating this false identity and always trying to be in, no one's actually going to know who you are. Right. Right. And if you, and I've, uh, thank God gotten off basically all social media, but when you're on social media and I've been on it before the, it is sort of a, it feels like a tireless, endless, uh, hamster wheel of trying to work the system or work whatever to try to rise in rank or something like that. And there's Mm -hmm. these little social games you have to work in order to be popular. And it's just a very like cheap, uh, superficial version of relationships in the real world. Um, where if you're just having to tirelessly work in the flesh to try to be something and yeah, it really fosters that, which is dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess the big point is friendship is, is really the thing that's being lost here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've heard, I've heard this analogy multiple times, specifically from Gavin Ortland, um, who's, who's awesome. But he said, if a monk from ancient times or if an ancient thinker Mm. at all, time traveled to today, um, the biggest difference wouldn't actually be the technology or anything like that. He he believes that the the monk or the time traveler would actually eventually get used to all of the technology um, and would adapt to it. But the biggest thing that would probably be uh, a shock is friendship. There would be mm-hmm. like very rarely true friends and true friendship where we get this uh, this loneliness and depression and uh, mental mm-hmm. illness all streaming out from this problem of wanting to be in. Yeah. And right. that's what he said would be the biggest difference. Right. And so I think the biggest, the biggest lesson I think from CS Lewis here is to stop trying to fit in so much and to, once you let the desire to fit in go, you will actually find true friendships. Yeah. And that will, get rid of the loneliness and depression. Mm. Hopefully, hopefully that it'll help, but it's not like a hundred percent cure, but that is, that is it. And there's the, uh, then there was an analogy right at the end of this talk, uh, not an analogy or reference to Alice's adventures in Wonderland through the looking glass where she looks through, um, and she sees this whole other world of things alive. And it, it, it looks amazing and wonderful. And she, who wants to go in and interact with it. Um, but eventually she has to come back to the, to the real world. So there, there might be that, um, 
that idea there of, yeah, if we go through the looking glass, it's not actually going to satisfy. Mm-hmm. All right. Even though it's very enticing. Right. Yeah. That's good. And I think that's the place think, to end. Yeah. I think that's all I got, everyone. Thank you for listening. Again, this was C.S. Lewis and his talk, The Inner Circle, about um, the inner ring, I think. Uh, no, yeah, not the inner circle, the inner ring. And it's really about clicks and friendships and how to stop trying to be in and get satisfaction with true relationships. Um, so yeah, this has been The Contemplating Christian. Uh, please like and subscribe if you feel led to support us. Patreon and the merch stores in the description below. Thanks. God bless. See ya. Thank you.